have such a disdain for deficit thinking, particularly when it comes to Black wealth. Hello, 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 and welcome to More Than Money, a podcast where we have nuanced conversations about money, business, and life, where we take the time to explore the human side of money, because success with money is never just about the numbers. I'm your host, Jacquette Timmons, and I am really, really glad that you are here with me today. Before we get into today's episode, I am excited to let you know that I am offering a few half-day VIP strategy and coaching sessions this summer. This is ideal if you are an entrepreneur or small business owner who is short on time, who wants to fast track results, and you want an outsider's perspective on your business and your personal and business finances, especially if you are not on track to hit your year-end revenue, sales, marketing, and operations goals. And you know, you need a little bit of a jump start to do a reset. We'll conduct four analyses and we will use the results of those analyses to prepare a customized roadmap for the months ahead. So to learn more and learn how to get you that sovereignty and that momentum to finish the year strong, send me a DM on Instagram, say VIP, and we'll get you the link to schedule a complimentary call to chat about all of the details. But now, on to today's show. I am recording today's episode a few days after Juneteenth, a holiday that my family and many others have recognized for decades. But now, as of June 2021, it is a federal holiday in the United States. I, for one, am grateful for this now formal designation because the days leading up to celebrating this holiday provides an opportunity for all of us to remember or perhaps to learn for the very first time about our history, to celebrate the progress that we have made and to be really clear eyed about planting the seeds for the work that still needs to be done, especially with regard to black wealth. (laughs) Well, the Sunday before Juneteenth, I was watching CBS Sunday Morning, and they did an absolutely wonderful profile of Paul Revere Williams, one of Los Angeles's most well-known architects. He is known for the grand, elegant showcase homes he designed for many of Hollywood's celebrities and, and stars. And if you've ever watched a movie or a television show, that featured the crescent wing of the Beverly Hills Hotel, well, then you have experienced the art of his work. However, because of segregation, his daughter reminds us in that CBS segment that Mr. Williams couldn't live in the neighborhoods of the showcase homes that he designed, even though he could afford to, nor could he eat or stay at the Beverly Hills Hotel the crescent wing, which he designed. And so watching this segment, I felt an immense depth of gratitude to him for being such a trailblazer, 
uh, for his granddaughter because of the work that she is doing to preserve her grandfather's legacy and also for the current owners of one of his homes that they profiled a black couple because what they have done is had that home declared a historic and historic monument and you know this is important because that home once had stated in its deed that it couldn't be occupied by anyone who wasn't Caucasian. So talk about both protecting Mr. Williams' legacy and then creating general generational wealth for their family. I mean, come on, that is the ultimate in boss moves. And so in addition to the gratitude, I also just felt immense pride because of what Mr. Williams accomplished in spite of the norms of that time. And I also loved learning of his commitment to while he is building these beautiful, elegant showcase homes, he also made sure to spend some time building small, affordable homes too. Watching this segment though is yet another reason why I have such a disdain for deficit thinking particularly when it comes to Black wealth, or the notion that the reason Black wealth isn't greater than what it is today um, is because that there is something wrong with us individually or collectively. Building and maintaining financial wealth is what enables individuals, families, and communities to plan for the future and to respond to financial setbacks and emergencies with greater ease. Being able to pass on wealth is what fosters generational financial stability. But because of the history of the United States, my ancestors and the ancestors of those who look like me haven't been able to build, maintain, and pass on wealth unimpeded. This fact is not to be used as an excuse or a crutch but it is an important awareness to behold as we talk about and take action on building, sustaining, and passing on generational wealth. And it's why, like last year, I am commemorating Juneteenth, June 19th, for those that may not know, thinking about economic justice and resharing portions of an episode that I did in 2020. And let's start with a recap of history. Perhaps if President Abraham Lincoln hadn't been assassinated and President Andrew Johnson hadn't reversed the special field order number 15, which redistributed about 400,000 acres of confiscated land from Confederate landowners to newly freed slaves, well, perhaps the wealth gap that exists today between Black and white families wouldn't exist. But alas, it was, and it does. And it does with staggering effects on Black families and communities, specifically, and the U.S. economy more generally. And a little bit of a side note, I really, really do wish that more people understood how increasing Black wealth would benefit everyone. But you know what? The mindset of scarcity, gluttony, and entitlement, oof. It is a really, really strong drug. And you likely have heard some of the stats that I'm about to share before, but they absolutely deserve to be repeated. Beginning with the incredible ratio 
from reporting by Greg Rosalski of NPR's Planet Money. Previously, he wrote, and I quote, progress Black Americans made in politics, business, and culture in the mid to late 20th and early 21st centuries, the economists find there's been very little progress in closing the average racial wealth gap since 1950. By 1950, the ratio of white to black wealth fell to seven to one. Let me repeat that. By 1950, the ratio of white to black wealth fell to seven to one. Today, or in 2021, when he wrote this piece, it's six to one, end quote. That is one startling statistic to just see how little has moved between 1950 and 2021. Here's another one. According to the Federal Reserve's 2019 Survey of Consumer Finances, white families had a median wealth of $188,200 compared to $24,100 for Black families. And this next one that I'm about to share with you, it's a doozy. In 2017, Prosperity Now, a DC-based advocacy and research organization, along with the Institute for Policy Studies, released a study with an incredibly disheartening statistic. It's this. By 2053, the median wealth of Black Americans is projected to be zero. Z-E-R-O. I don't know about you, but hearing that number, reading that number, that just takes my breath away. It also makes me angry. I get angry when I think about those who lived, died, and survived being enslaved. I get angry when I think about those who thrived during Reconstruction, having created something from nothing, only to have it stolen from them or destroyed. I get angry when I think about the devastating impact of Jim Crow apartheid, or when I think about the racism that is deeply embedded in our institutions and governmental policies. And I get angry when I read about the persistent disparity between the wealth of Black and white families and how it will take 228 years for the wealth of Black families to reach that of white families today. So yeah, understandably, I get angry. I get angry for a whole host of reasons. But you know what? It's a good anger. It's the kind of anger that fuels action. It's the kind of anger that can spark creativity. And that often leads to the seedling for innovation. And I'd even go so far as to say that the anger even increases my optimism about what's possible. I know that may sound a bit strange. And it just reminds me that we each need to tap into some good anger in order to address this mammoth task that is ahead for all of us, because none of us are in this in a silo. It may feel like that at times, but we are all affected by it to varying degrees, yes, but we are all affected by it. Because closing the wealth gap will require closing the income and the opportunity gaps of Black Americans. And it will also, I believe, require and necessitate a mental reframe, 
a reframe in terms of building, maintaining, and passing on Black wealth, and a mindset where people really do recognize that this is a collective effort that both requires something of us all, but at the same time, it is something that benefits all of us too. But there's a catch. To close the wealth gap, we cannot focus on catching up. Because when there is a lead of 228 years, how in the world do you move forward without eventually feeling defeated and deflated? Instead of starting from behind, it's my opinion that a better use of our individual and collective time, energy, ideas, and creativity is to center growth and more specifically to set growth targets growth targets for closing the income and the opportunity gaps, growth targets for education, for entrepreneurship and small business ownership. Yes, we are making tremendous strides. We need to make more. Growth targets for savings, growth targets for all of the dimensions of wealth, the financial dimension of wealth, the social dimension, time, physical and well-being. Again, I truly wished more people understood how increasing Black wealth isn't a zero-sum game. Juneteenth is one of those holidays that is both celebratory and somber. It reminds us of how far we have come, which is indeed a very long way, but it also reminds us of how far we still have to go. But today and every day, let's celebrate. Let's, let's take the spirit of the day of Juneteenth and the recognition of liberation, and then let's get to work. Let's go. Well, that is it for today, folks. As always, thank you for listening all the way into the end. Or if you are watching on YouTube, thank you for joining us there and doing that. I really do appreciate it. And before you hop, if today's episode sparked an aha or reflection, I'd love to hear more. So please DM me on Instagram. And remember, go ahead and book a complimentary discovery call if you are not on track to hit your year-end revenue, sales, marketing, and operations goals. And you are curious about how a half-day VIP strategy coaching session could help you get a jump start on doing that reset. So once more, thank you for listening today. If you'd like to show appreciation for this podcast, or perhaps this particular episode is what I am trying to say, please share it so that we can reach more people. And if you happen to be listening on podcasts, please take a moment to leave a rating and review because that really helps us in terms of them, you know, recognizing, yeah, this podcast is worth listening to. So it'll reach more people. And besides, we do read your comments and we do check out the ratings. And if you are on YouTube, please feel free to share a comment below. And as always, if you'd like to buy me a coffee, here's how you can do that. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jaquette. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jaquette. I'll be back with another episode and I hope you will too. Until then, remember... It's about more than money.